You're listening to the Wealth Standard Podcast's Financial Friday, a dedicated show about how to apply principled theory to a financial strategy, getting you one step closer to financial freedom. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Financial Friday. This is the Wealth Standard Podcast, and we are on part two. We started with part one last week, and uh, we were going to continue with a scintillating article. That is, uh, and I'm here with my my friend Will A Street. Yes, sir. Not to be confused with Wall A Street. That's right. But we're going to study study an interesting article, and it's in Business Insider, and it is a woman. It is the insight a woman had by studying 600 millionaires, and she discovered where you choose to live has two effects on your ability to Mm. build wealth. Well, first off, recap last week. What did you think of last week? How did you like that discussion? I mean, we're just having the second part of it right now. Yeah. Well, to kind of recap it a little bit. No, I think it's, uh, I think it was good because, you know, of course we talked quite a bit about building wealth in the right way, you know, and building it from the base up and talking about uncertainty, right? And how, where a lot of people kind of go wrong is they sort of thirst after this uncertainty Mm -hmm. But they seek it out without having the proper foundation in place because, mm-hmm. you know, not every financial decision is going to pan out, right? And so if you're out and about in search of success or financial freedom or mm-hmm. whatever that means to you, and when you come across one of those scenarios where it doesn't pan out and you don't have the right foundation to fall back to, that's when things really become difficult for people, right? And we've, and you've shared a couple of examples of, uh, of some of those, some of those failures, right? The, what was the the Panamanian fish farm? Was that? Oh, it was Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Oh, sorry. Okay, the Puerto Rican fish farm. Puerto Rican fish farm. Right. Yeah. You got to do the due diligence, right? <laughs> but yeah, so it's things aren't always going to work out. In fact, often things don't work out mm-hmm. exactly according to plan. And so the best that you can do is put yourself in a position to kind of weather the storm and to have the right type of foundation, the right base, and to keep moving forward. And then the other point that you made that I thought was super compelling was this idea that you know we talked a little bit about tier two. And you know, so we use as examples a couple of kind of tier two assets, you know, real estate investments, starting a business. But then you talked about kind of the investment in ourselves and finding something that drives us, finding something that gives us purpose and meaning and, and the value that that brings, you know, as we feel that sense of drive to just get out of bed and make it mm-hmm. happen, right? And if that's what is driving us, more often than not, we're going to have a whole lot more in the tank to be able to push forward and and be successful. Yeah, and it's the distinction between escaping like yeah, the pursuit, right, right. you know most people are pursuing retirement which is the escape of what they're doing right now because right. they don't necessarily they wouldn't choose to spend all of their time working in what they're doing. Sure. They'd rather spend their time somewhere else, right? right? And right. they're trying to escape from that. But we advocate, right, the discovery of doing meaningful things, yeah. right? And that's uh, you know I, I referenced um some Tony Robbins material that you know, says that the the most fulfilling life comes from discovering yeah. that meaning and then spending 50 to 60% of your time doing that. Right. Not all of it, but 50 to 60%. And that's where, you know, you look at people that retire and uh, are miserable or people yeah. that achieve wealth, tremendous wealth. Right. And then, you know, decide to take their own life. Yeah. Right. right. Where, you know, they, that, that true, that core meaning wasn't discovered. Right. And money or, or success or something else they thought was going to help them to discover it where it's kind of the other way around where you, I think you can discover it without achieving wealth. Absolutely. You can discover it, you know, with, uh, yeah. Anyway, so it's, so I don't go off on that, that tangent, but I I like, 
don't know, I love the discussion because this is this is something that's not talked about when it comes to financial planning or financial advice or what you should do with your money. Right. And I think that it's a tragedy. Right? Absolutely. Because, you know, I think most like typical retirement planning solves for a specific end, which I don't think is the end that people are really seeking. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So let's get into some typical financial advice today okay. by a woman who uh, studied 600 millionaires. And uh, she discovered where you choose to live has two effects on your ability to build wealth. Right. All right. So let's let's read a couple of her claims. She says, uh, the key to, to uh, wealth building is to live in a home that one can easily afford. Mm. If you live in a pricey home and neighborhood, you will act and buy like your neighbors. The more affluent the neighborhood, the more the residents spend on almost every conceivable product and service. <laughs> every conceivable. I mean, man. That's pretty all-inclusive. So if your high-income-producing, high-consuming neighbors roll up to the driveway in a BMW or a Mercedes-Benz, it's likely you'll feel the urge to do the same. Uh, okay? Horrible uh, This people. pressure to keep up with the Joneses can also be affected by lifestyle creep, the tendency to spend more Whenever one earns more. Ah, hmm, that's interesting. Okay. Lifestyle creep. That's the first time I've, I've never heard that, that term before. Lifestyle yeah. creep. So first off, let's, let's take her perspective. What is she saying? Like, what is she trying to allude to when it comes to a person's ability to build wealth? So we'll take one, yeah. this, this opinion, then we'll start sure. to get into the other Kind of opinion. flesh out what yeah. she's saying. So the common expression that you hear is, is somebody who's house poor, right? So she's saying, don't be house poor, right? Don't spend or don't buy a house that uses up more than a certain percentage of your disposable income. Sure. Yeah. Right. Which that's a, a term that is somewhat familiar is this mm -hmm. idea of being house poor. That's kind of the first piece, right? The size of your mortgage relative to your income. And then the second is, oh, you know, if you live in this neighborhood and oh man, you see the neighbor across the street just rolled up in a new, you know, seven series BMW. Well, well, my three series is not adequate anymore. You know, I need the seven series or I need the S class Mercedes. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I can't resist that urge. If I see that my neighbor has something mm -hmm. that I don't, I've got to keep up with him yeah. or her. Right. And what was the phrase that she used? Every conceivable. Every, conce yeah, every conceivable. Every. So apparently, yeah. So the every, I mean, every we're talking, have, you have to have, yeah. Yeah. Auto, home automation. Yeah. We've yeah. got, you know, swimming pool in the backyard. We've yeah. got, we've got it all, you know, pickleball court, I think is the pickleball. latest rage. <laughs> my neighbor's that. got the pickleball court. I need the pickleball court, For sure, right? Man. And I'm going to spend it yeah. even if it means I'm spending now what I would otherwise save. Love it. Right. Okay. And it's, I, I mean, I understand what she's saying. Right? Sure. Because. Sure. You know, I, I think that, you know, one of the, the natural tendencies we have as humans is we, we value community, right? Sure. We value uh, friendships, yeah. right? We value uh, relationships, right? Yeah. And so that's where like you live in a certain neighborhood, you, you want to be a part of that. And I don't yeah. think there's anything uh, wrong with it. She's just saying that if you choose the, you know, and she categorizes that like the wrong neighborhood, yeah. right? Then you are most likely going to spend more than Things you make should. and you're going to yeah. get into financial trouble. I think yeah. that's what she's alluding to. Right. Right. And you're not going to save and then you're going to ruin your future. Right. Well, affect your future or ruin it. Maybe. <laughs> right. Or both. <laughs> yeah. All right. And she, and she references, uh, you know, consider billionaire investor Warren Buffett. Right. He lives in a modest house worth 0.001% of his total wealth. Hmm. All right. Well, and it's, I guess the thing that's interesting about that point is she almost explains it like one caused the other. 
right? Like because he lives in this tiny little modest house, <laughs> he he's a gazillionaire. We haven't gotten to the other. Opinion. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Still, I'm getting ahead of our, myself yeah. here. So this is you know this is one of those. I, I think this is like this is a commonly held perspective. Yeah, right? and I understand the, the the accumulation of wealth because obviously if you spend less, yeah, right, you're going to accumulate more. Sure. Okay? Uh, at the same time, it's you know it's just hitting on the financial principle. Yeah. Okay. And the financial principle will not not the lifestyle, right? And the meaning behind where you live, right? And the memories and the experiences there. So, I, so I think it approaches it from a purely economic standpoint, right? Okay? But the thing with economics, right, is it doesn't take into consideration human behavior. Now, yes. she's saying that you know human behavior, you're going to spend less and you're going to you know have more to accumulate. Sure. At the same time, you know. Is there anything that's lost? And this is where we'll pivot to the other side of the coin when it sure. comes to you know home ownership, the home that you live in. Yeah. Uh, because I've heard it as your home is not an asset, and I see sure. why. I mean, Robert Kiyosaki talks a lot about that because you know your home doesn't produce cash flow, right? Yeah. Your home doesn't. You know, someone else isn't paying your your mortgage. You you are right, yeah. and you're putting money into the maintenance, and you're putting money into upgrading this and upgrading that, and you know now you have to have Mercedes Benz and BMWs, <laughs> right? Sure. So so I I understand that at the same time. You know, I look at the value of living in a nice neighborhood, yeah. uh, the value of living in a in a nice home. Sure. Okay. And uh, and what value that provides you when it comes to lifestyle, meaning memories, family, et cetera. Exactly. So let's let's get into so let's get into that. What do you think of those? You know, the other side of sure. the, of the coin. How could you say, okay, well, I see what you're saying, but here's another opinion. Yeah. So you know, the the I see what you're saying is kind of this idea that. You know, it's kind of the Dave Ramsey budgeting. Is budgeting generally a good idea? Sure, it is, right? And and and, and to kind of tip our cap to her a little bit, it, w- it would be generally should you not spend every disposable dime that you have on a mortgage, right? Of course, right. But the kind of the flip side to that coin is, well, but that also doesn't mean that you should live in a studio apartment if you don't have to, right? Or you don't need to live in a trailer park if you don't have to. Right. There's something to be said about a good, safe neighborhood with good schools and, you know, good community feel where it's safe to walk on the sidewalks at night mm-hmm. and spend time together as a family, you mm-hmm. know, those types of things. The other that kind of the flip side to the, you know, just this hyper focus on budgeting and saving and, uh, you, you know, you can't, uh, you probably, as most people probably do, you probably have met people in the past who are so hyper focused on saving like a nickel. They they drive like thirty miles to save, save gas. Yeah, yeah, save a nickel on gas, right? And you're like, the rational person would be like, what the heck did you just do? Mm-hmm. You know, why did you do that? And so that that's kind of the flip side. There is you can take it to the extreme, right? Where generally, yes, are there some good core principles there, of course. But the flip side to that is the happiness piece, the safety piece, mm-hmm. the security, the peace of mind. I mean, especially when you consider how much time you spend at home with your family and the types of experiences that all of us want to have with our families, man, your house is the key component to that. And you can do all that without like obsessing over the neighbor's car and making sure that you put in the pickleball court that's Mm -hmm. just slightly bigger than your neighbor's. Mm -hmm. So this is, these are all good points. And I'm going to continue on with uh, this this perspective, uh, hitting on some different things. Because, you know, I understand this person's point of view and she makes valid points, sure. right? Economical points. Yeah. Same time, you look at really what life, what life is about according to me and it's different for everybody. Yeah. Okay. But I've, I've had lots of clients, you know, and it, there's a period of time within a year 
that they had divorces. Like I think yeah. like eight or eight or nine people all got divorced and they were around the same age as me. And one in particular hit home to me because he had uh, made the statement, you know, all the work I've done, everything I've done has all been for my family. Yeah. Right. And, and now I don't have, now they're gone. And he built tremendous wealth. He worked all the time. And I look at, I look at that and his intention, right, was genuine. Sure. At the same time, his actions, right, didn't necessarily correspond to that. And so you look at, you know, really a home and where you live. It's like, that's what gives life meaning is the memories and things you can do with your, with your family. I'd also say the friendships that you have. And if you look at, you know, living in an affluent neighborhood, well, it's affluent for a reason. Yeah. Okay. And so if you look at, yeah, they, they may drive uh, BMWs or Mercedes Benzes, but the conversations that I've had with people in my neighborhood, I would not have had in another, another neighborhood. Exactly. And, you know, I look at like my neighbor uh, next door, I've had some fascinating conversations with him. He runs a, a microfinance bank and he uh, consults with companies or not companies, but uh, countries. Uh, there's a lot of work in Miramar, there's a lot of work in Asia, Africa. And it's fascinating to have these conversations with him. He's a computer programmer by trade, but those are, those are not the type of, you know, those are the conversations. Those are the things that you can really learn and be inspired by, by people. Right. Right. And I have a neighbor that lives across the street and he's been a really successful attorney and what he knows and the books that he's read. I mean, I have incredible conversations with him and, you know, we've made other friendships as well. And I, and I look at, you know, what's the price of those relationships? What's the price of those friendships? What ideas have they given that would not have come by living in a, a neighborhood that was 0.001% of, you know, your, your, your income, income yeah. right? And so I look at that and, you know, there's so many intangibles associated with it. Right. So, so getting to this person's point, okay, how can you have both? How can yeah. you be responsible? Okay. But also how can you actually have the experience of life, yeah. <laughs> right? Right now, not waiting 30 years down the road or 20 years down the road to retirement where you're now able to have the permission slip to experience life. And so I look at, okay, this comes down to your financial education. Right. Okay. It's understanding a financial statement, money in, money out. If you can't afford the neighborhood, it isn't, okay, we have to live in a, in a, in another neighborhood. It's asking the question, how can I live in that neighborhood? Right. How can I live in that home? And that starts to engage a part of your brain where you start to look for opportunities. And you may right. not be able to live there for here, you know, this point or this point or this point in your life. But at some point, you may be able to live sure. there, right? So it's the pursuit of that because you figured out ways to make more money. Right. And so I look at, you know, the home that we the, that we live in. We live in the same neighborhood for 14 years, 13 years, 14 years, 2000. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be 15 years. That's crazy wow. this summer. Yeah. And uh, this is the third home in the neighborhood, but I lived kind of on the outskirts for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we almost moved a few times, especially during the financial crisis, but it's because this neighborhood, it's a somewhat affluent neighborhood. Yeah. And it's because I, I had established relationships there and I had friendships there and I you know, wanted to also have a, a nice house for my family. Your kids, yeah. And, uh, you know, and also a happy wife because happy wife <laughs> equals <laughs> a happy, happy life. life. You're right. And it, it, so it was one of those you know, things where I could have taken the money that went into to the uh, house and yeah. invested it. Yeah. Right. And I would have, you know, had more money, had more yeah. cash flow. At the same time, I wouldn't have had the experiences, right, you know, with my family. Sure. Yeah. And so you look at what that does to your soul, what that does to your, you know, your drive. Yeah. Right. And it and it can affect so many different things. 
Yeah. Right. And that's the thing. That's the, that's the conversation that's not typically had with these types of articles. Right. They give you this, you know, step one is to make sure that your mortgage payment is, is uh, less than 20% of your, uh, your earned income. Yeah. Right. And then make sure that you put at least a 30% down payment on your, right. so there's all these like technical steps. And I think that there's merit to some of those. Sure. At the same time, it's very disempowering because it almost assumes that you're at the income level you're going to be for the rest of your life yeah. and you better deal with it. So, you know, if you really want to retire one day, you better scrimp and save and not enjoy life yeah. until, you know, you're 65. Right. And I don't think that's the right mentality. And may, they may not say that that's what they mean. At the same time, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's feeling. the feeling you get. Yeah. And that's where the motivation comes from, where in order to build wealth, you don't, you know, figure out how to earn more yeah. and be more valuable. Okay. But you scrimp and save based on, you know, the money you are earning because that's the, that's the only money you're going to yeah, earn. You're capped out at whatever you are. <laughs> right. And then that are. money there is going to somehow, you know, compound and grow and you're going to have enough money to live for the rest of your life at 65. Right. Yeah. Anyway, it, it's one of those, it's a narrative that I think is very disempowering. Yep. But again, looking at our perspective doesn't mean that you need to go out and just buy a beautiful home and BMWs and Mercedes, but you need to start asking different questions because right. there's merit to her perspective. There's also merit to the other perspective. Hopefully you're, you're seeing that. Now you sit on the edge. Yep. And it's up to you to determine what's right for you at this point. Right. Yeah, that's perfect. And I, I can resonate with a lot of what you said about the neighborhood that you live in. So for us, we moved about three years ago and it wasn't to try and get into some, you know, fancy neighborhood where we, you know, wanted to be surrounded by a bunch of gazillionaires or anything like that. For us, it was, it was family. We live within about a mile or so of my wife's two brothers. And so the result of that is we live in a neighborhood that we love, that we're comfortable with, that's a you know good neighborhood. But the interaction with our kids among their cousins and you know holidays and things like that, it's Priceless. just a completely different dynamic. And the thing that's interesting is like for me, man, I didn't grow up like that. And so it's one of those things where I would have kind of been stuck in that old mentality, right? I would have imposed sort of this artificial ceiling on myself that no, no, we, we can't do that. No, we, this is, man, we, we've got to, we're, we, we got to take where we are right now, assume that that's our maximum and operate from that level and below. We can't do that. But my wife, again, the happy wife, happy life kind of helped me stretch a little bit and see opportunity and meaning and value. And now that we're there, I'm like, holy cow, my, my kids are having a completely different experience mm -hmm. as kids from what I had, where just family is so much more critical, so much more a part of their everyday lives than it was for me. And man, I wouldn't, like you said, I wouldn't trade that for anything. That's huge. Yeah. Your environment has more to do with your experience of life than you think. Yeah. And I totally. think it's the environment, whether it's where you live, the culture of your office, the social networks that you're in, those yeah. are, those are environments and that environment can make life miserable and they can, or it can totally empower you yes. and it can also stretch you. So I'm gonna give you one, one example. So this was a long time ago, but after my sophomore year of, of college, I went to a, a hockey camp in, in Minnesota and it was uh, sponsored by the Anaheim Ducks. And it was, it was a humbling experience, right? Because I was in an environment of these AAA players and these there's a couple of pros there. It was kind of a, a camp where it was training, but also spotlight. Right. And I remember getting out onto the ice the first time and the speed that they were warming up was like, for me, a speed of like a game, <laughs> Yeah. right? Where it was all out. But what it did, yeah. it raised my level of play and because I was in an environment that stretched me. Right. And I believe that, you know, anybody can be stretched. Anybody can make 
more of a difference tomorrow than they did today. Right. It just depends. A lot of it depends on the environment that you're in. Yeah. Now, some of it depends on your internal drive and what you want for life. Sure. Uh, your vision, your mission. At the same time, your environment has a lot to do. A lot to do right. with the ideas that are in your mind, the expectations you have of yourself, the questions you ask yourself, the questions you ask others. Yeah. Right. And it's just you're one idea away from a totally different life. Totally. You're one decision away from a totally different life. Yeah. And your environment influences a lot of that. And yeah. that's why, you know, I, I try to go to events. I try to participate in mastermind groups. I try to be around individuals, right? Who are inspiring, who are pushing the limits that don't settle for status quo, right? Because that inspires me and it helps me stretch. Because if I didn't have that, it'd be more difficult for me to do that. Absolutely. What do you think? We good? Part yeah. two? Part, part two. Part two. Yeah, I think we uh, dissected it pretty well. There's always a second side yeah. or even a third. Huh. All right. Maybe we won't tackle the BMW or Mercedes Benz. Yeah, let's not tackle that today. <laughs> Same conversation though. But it's yeah. one of those, yeah, it's just one of those things where, you know, I, I find it disheartening sometimes that, you know, people sacrifice the enjoyment of life right now, yeah. right? For a, what I consider a mirage of a good life in the future. Yep. Because- Sacrificing now, uh, I don't think it's suddenly you're just going to have an amazing life when you retire or yeah. you achieve success. Okay. Life needs to be valued and celebrated and valued right now. Yep. And I think so much of those limitations are, they're mental, right? They're these, I can remember as a kid, you know, growing up where I had some friends who were better off than we were financially. And whenever you I lived would, in a trailer park, I know so that's not, I really did. <laughs> I did live in a trailer park. I mean, they came from amazing families, right? Yeah. I got to see kind of from, from the inside. I, I had friends whose families were awesome and who included me in a lot of what they did, you know, vacations and stuff like that. So I got to be able to see it from the inside. But when I, like my parents were sort of that, that limiting frame of mind where it was almost like, you know, when they would refer to these, you know, my friends' families, it was kind of with some jealousy and with, you know, kind of, oh, well, you know, we could never afford to do that or we could never, luckily, wow, you know, it's nice that they can do those types of things, but we can't do any of those things. And so for me, it was like, I was living in an environment where I was hearing all these limitations, but I was spending a significant amount of time within these other environments where I was seeing everything that was possible. Wow. And all of the, the family richness that comes with you know, it's not like they were burning $100 bills just for the fun of it, right? Because they had so much money. <laughs> wasn't anything like that. It was mm. just they prioritized what was important to them and they lived within that framework. And for me, early on, I, I would say really early on in my like teenage years, I consciously made the decision what I wanted. I wanted out of where I was, like that mindset, that those limitations, and I wanted to gravitate towards what my friends' families had. And so for me, the number one reason why I went on to become an attorney was because my best friend's dad was an attorney. And I saw the family dynamic. I saw the lifestyle. I saw what they did together as a family and what I didn't do. And that's, I beelined it straight for that. Well, this is the thing. There's these ideas. I mean, that idea may have kind of, you know, was nurtured over the course of time, but it may have come, you know, just in one experience. Sure. Right. Those ideas can come very frequently if you're in the right environment. Yep. And that happened to be just kind of like, you know, the, the circumstance of the time for you. Yep. Okay. But you can intentionally be in certain environments that can inspire you and stretch you and push you 
beyond what you consider your limitations. So, Absolutely. Well, hopefully uh, this has been a valuable podcast for uh, for you guys. It's kind of setting the stage for some future ones that we're going to do when it comes to uh, investment and also some other uh, financial strategies. Plus, we have some special episodes uh, that I'll be doing the next few weeks because I'm going to a financial event up in Whistler, uh, British Columbia. Oh, sweet. With... um. It's President Bush, George H.W. Oh, yeah. Bush, uh, Clinton, uh, Alan Greenspan, Ben Bernanke, <laughs> Ray Dalio, uh, Steve Forbes, and, uh, and a few others. So cool. It's going to be interesting. I'm, yeah. you know, I, I'm obviously they have a perspective that I don't have in a lot of instances, but it's going to be cool to glean kind of what they look at as, uh, as what's going on financially in the mm-hmm. economy. And yeah, I'm definitely going to talk about that and also potentially the other side of the coin. Cool. All right. Okay, everyone, thanks for joining us uh, this week. And uh, make sure you go and listen to our past episodes as well as our primary episode of, uh, of the week. We've had some awesome ones recently. And uh, Giabro Griffin, Larry Reed, super awesome. That was so fun interviewing those guys. But the topic's capitalism. So learn about capitalism. It's awesome. <laughs> capitalism. <laughs> it is awesome. Okay. Yeah. All right, everyone, that's it. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Hey, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. My book, the Amazon bestseller, Heads I Win, Tales You Lose, a financial strategy to reignite the American dream is completely changing the way people look at saving, wealth, and retirement. Want a sneak peek? Head on over to www.headsortailsiwin.com forward slash podcast for a free audio and text download of my favorite chapter. Again, that's Heads or tails, I win.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Standard Podcast. Be sure to visit the show's official website, thewealthstandard.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Guest opinions are their own. If you require specific investing, financial, legal, tax, or any other specialized advice, please consult an appropriate professional. We welcome and appreciate reviews of the show. Head on over to iTunes or Stitcher to leave your review. And don't forget to subscribe to the show to get access to every new episode and exclusive interviews this season. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.